Yes, greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim on Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We are now in the fifth parak of Masachet Gitin, and we are at the end of Mishnah Dalad, which was broken up into three sections. On Daf Nun Dalad Amud Bet, we find the final little piece from Mishnah Dalad. Hakonim, we mentioned it already in the previous sugya. Hakonim shepiglu b'mikdash mezidin chayavin. Pigul is a particular and unique halacha related to the world of Kodshim, which we, of course, get to in a couple of years. And uh, Pigul is a prohibition, all right, or shall we say, it is a consequence that the Torah recognizes and has severe punishments associated with it. And it means halachically that if someone doing the avodah does any of the four avodot, shechita, which could be a non-kohen, Kabbalat Adam, Holachat Adam, Azrikat Adam, and intends when they do that Avodah that this Korban will be eaten or burned outside of its time parameters, then that renders the Korban Pigul, it is Pasul, and if somebody eats it, they are Chayav Karet. Now, of course, what that means is that if an, a, someone brought an animal as a korban, and the kohanim intentionally or otherwise performed pigul on the animal, then the animal is no longer fit, and they are out several hundred or more dollars. All right, so if they did it mizidin, they have to pay. We're going to deal now not with the issue directly of the kanas, which we dealt with in the last sugya, uh, about Hezek Sheinu Nikar, and whether it really essentially is Hezek or not, the Machlok and Chizkin Rabbi Yochanan. But now we're going to deal with the issue of credibility. If a coin comes up to somebody and says, I performed pingal on your carbon, do we believe him? Let's say a fellow was working with you with uh, foodstuffs that were tahor. And then he turns to him and says, these taharot that we're working with became tameh. He was working together on Korbanot with the guy. He said, those Korbanot became pigul, and the implication is that he did it. Ne'eman, he's believed. If he said, last week we were working on Tarot, by the way, they became Tomei. Same thing with pigul. I know Ne'eman, he's not believed. That's the Brayta. Now, for the obvious question is, why does his credibility lapse when it turns into a statement about the past, even though he was involved? Two takes. He says, anything that's in your hand, you're trusted about. Which means that if these tarot are right now in your hand, and you say, I was them, then we believe you. If it's something about the past, you don't have the power to mess up somebody else's stuff just because you say so. So Rava disagrees. Rava Mark, the circumstance has to be that when he, in the Sefer, when he's talking about the past, that he met the guy once and said nothing to him, and then later he said it to him, and now we have reason to suspect that he's just trying to make his life miserable and not that anything really happened. So Rava does not accept the idea of Kol Shabi Adon Neman, and let's see this play out. Okay, a parenthetically, an important sociological or anthropological note here, which will make this uh, clear. We're dealing in the bright that deals with two parallel cases, one about Tarot and one about Zvachim Shinit Paglu. We will hear no cases uh, of Pigul. Uh, but we will hear cases about Taharot. And the reason for that is because clearly Pigul became a moot issue with the destruction of the Mikdash in the year 70. 
uh, which we are going to start discussing from another perspective in the next podcast. Uh, however, there were legions of Chachamim and other Prushim who practiced the laws of Tahara well after the Churban, and therefore we have lots of stories about interaction dealing with Taharot. That explains why here we hear stories about Taharot Shinit Mu, but not about Zvachim Shinit Paglu. Alright, so, um, here's what happened. Uh, sorry, it's exactly the Seifa. They came to Rabbi Ami. Really, the guy's not believed. That's the bright Rabbi who were colleagues, said, Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, our Rabbi quoted Rabbi Yossi, the Tana saying, so Rabbi Yossi disagreed with the Brighton and said the Torah gives Nemanut to somebody about something that they did have in their hands and they acted on, and afterwards they report, which by the way supports Rava's contention, that you would be believed about something in the past unless circumstantially you lost your credibility because you bumped into the fellow, said nothing about it, and only later raised it. Now, Hechan Aleheminato, so Rabbi Yochanan says the Torah gave credibility. Where is that? We have the following source. Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippurim, as we studied in Masachet Yoma, uh, goes into the Mikdash and is all alone in the Mikdash. Now, the Chiamar Pigul Meheman, and we assume that if the Kohen Gadol were to come out and say the Par and the or the Sa'ir, uh, that we have the unique Zrikat Adam inside and no one else was there, and he comes in and says, I was Mefagel Meheman. And how do we know? How do we know that, that he really did it? Nobody's allowed to be in the Mikdash while he's inside. The answer is he has credibility. Maybe we heard him from the outside say, I'm going to be Zorik the Dom, that this thing should be offered tomorrow. So he loved the Meheman. So think about this. If the fellow is not believed, then overhearing what he says also doesn't give him credibility. Maybe what we're hearing happened after the fact, because we don't know. We have no video cameras. We don't know what's going on inside. Maybe we saw him through a small, small opening. The answer is kasha. So that really is not a good proof. All right, so we'll see. And again, we the, the question is, does a person have namanut about something that they're no longer in possession of, which belonged to somebody else, but they were involved uh, in, in, in the tahara or proper status of it, uh, where Rava says you still would be believed unless circumstantially not, and Abai says you wouldn't. So So again, Rabbi Ami had someone come before him. Now you move out of the world of Tarot. A fellow says, I'm a sofer. I wrote a Sefer Torah for Plony. I sold it to him. The Azkarot, meaning the mentions of Hashem's name in the Sefer Torah, I did not write L'Shem Ketivat Sefer Torah, L'Shem Kedushat Hashem, which, by the way, invalidates the Torah. Amarle Sefer Torah biyad me. He says, who holds the, who holds the Sefer Torah right now? Amarle biyad lokeach. The guy bought it from me. So Amarle, namanatal afsitz chacha. You are believed to forfeit your your uh, wages. In other words, you do have to tell the guy, and the guy now uh, can get his money back or not pay you. But you have no namanut, no uh, credibility to invalidate his Sefer Torah that he owns. It's not in your hands, which supports a buy turned to Rabbi Ami and said, I understand he didn't, he shouldn't get paid in full. 
he should uh, lose the money of the value of the Azkarot. But he wrote a whole Sefer Torah, he should get paid for that. So Marlein, no, he did lose it. Shakol Sefer Torah she'en Azkarot shalok tuvot lishman and oshabeklum. A Sefer Torah that's not written properly with the Azkarot written properly is worth nothing. We do have a machloket that we saw in the second parak uh, between Yehuda and Rabbanon about ktav al gabe ktav. What happens if you wrote the azkara, an azkara improperly? Can you then trace over it properly and be mekadesh? So, come on, name it a local Yehuda. Must be that Rabbi Ami rejects Rabbi Yehuda who allows such a thing. You came to a place where you're supposed to write Yehuda and Hey and Avav and Hey, Kaven Lichtov Yehuda. And then you thought, I'm going to write Yehuda. You made that mistake. And you inadvertently wrote it correctly, meaning you left the Dalit out, but you realized you wrote it, not Lishman. Yehuda says you can then just trace over it. And, uh, and, and say, I'm doing this to the Kedushat Hashem, and it's fine. So the fact that Rabbi Ami does not allow for that as a solution to this guy's Sefer Torah seems to mean that he rejects Rabbi Yehuda. Which literally means, this is not ideal, but what it really means is, is that it's uh, invalid. There's, that's not a solution. No, I feel the time Rabbi Yehuda could be that Rabbi Ami accepts Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda perhaps only extends this when you have one Azkara, so there's something you fix in the Sefer Torah. How about the Kulei Sefer Torah? Lo, if the whole Sefer Torah is riddled full, think about how many times Shem Hashem appears in the Sefer Torah. If you have to go through and fix each one, then it's in, even Rabbi Yehuda would say, that doesn't work. It looks like a spotted Sefer Torah. You know, you read through and every time it's a Shem Hashem, there's an ink blot on it, an extra ktab. It doesn't look nice. And by the way, the Hidor of a Sefer Torah sometimes will actually affect its validity. All right, so that's why he did not allow for any payment to this guy. But on the other hand, the guy had no nemanut to invalidate the Sefer Torah that was no longer in his hands. Again, we're in Eretz Israel. Somebody came to Rabbi Avahu, great rabbi of Caesarea. I wrote a Sefer Torah, again a sofa. I wrote a Sefer Torah for Ploni. The parchment... That I processed, I processed it without having lishma, and we know we need ibud lishma. We saw that recently. Says who has the sefer right now? The purchaser. He disagreed with Rabbi and he says, as amigo, since your credibility stands and your ability to invalidate. Um, the Sefer Torah as far as it affects your wages. Therefore, it also invalidates the Sefer Torah. How clear the question is, does he really disagree with Rabbi Ami? Umay Rabbi Ami. So the answer is, Perhaps in that case, the fellow thought, I'm at least going to get paid for the whole Sefer Torah besides the Azkarot. And so therefore, maybe he really wants to hurt this guy. He's willing to lose some money and he wants to mess him up so we don't believe him. But here, it's clearly the guy's going to lose the whole thing. Uh, and he came nonetheless and said it. Now we have to say we believe him. In other words, what's the circumstance that's going on? And so what, what uh, evil, shall we say, lurks in the man's of, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the hearts of man? When a, a sofa comes and says, this Sefer Torah that I wrote and sold to this fellow is invalid, is it a Sefer Torah who had pangs of conscience, and uh, and suddenly he realizes he's done a terrible thing, and he wants to atone for it, and he comes forward. Or he's somebody who's the opposite, wants to mess the other fellow up. The other fellow paid him a pretty penny. In the meantime, the other fellow has nothing to show for it. Maybe he wants to hurt him. 
So when we have reason to think that he wouldn't really lose his, or at least he thinks he does not going to lose his whole schar, we could say maybe he's coming to hurt the guy. He has no credibility. But when it's clear from his statement that he understands he's losing everything, then it's clear that either he realizes his mistake or he's contrite. But either way, he's telling the truth. All right. The next Mishnah is a series of halachot that are testimony that belongs properly in Masachet Ediot, um, uh, but it's testimony about early tikkun uh, takanot that are in the category of tikkun olam of various shades. Heid Rabbi Yochanan ben Gudgoda. This is all one Mishnah, and it is, of course, Mishnah Hey. Al Chereshet Sheisia Aviha. If a man uh, married his daughter off, she was still underage, and she was a Chereshet, which means she d- never is going to be a Batat. She Yotzah Nonetheless, she can be divorced by her husband, um, which indicates that a woman getting divorced does not need that. Now, that's not going to be the case with a Shota, and that's something we're going to deal with later on in the Masachet. V'yal Ketana Bat Yisrael Shinisait Lekohen. If you have a Ketana, now this is a Ketana She'it Kachav Ekidushem Miyun, which we dealt with a lot in Yivamot, and we've dealt with uh, in Ketubot, and uh, a little bit in Gitin, a girl whose father is dead, and whose mother or brothers marries her off, she marries to a Kohen, Shochelet Bitruma, and we don't say that we're concerned that she may walk out on him at 12 or, or so, and therefore render the marriage as never having been valid, or the fact that the Kiddushim right now are only Kiddushim Drabanan, nonetheless she eats Truma. By the way, if she dies, the husband is this, that coin, or whoever the husband is, is Yoreshur, uh, even though the family can argue that Mita they had no relationship. This is a topic of the ninth parak in Masachet Babakama. If a board was stolen, now what's the halacha of a theft? If you steal something, it's your responsibility to return that item, That's the first chiyuv. Here you have a board, and you built it into a building. You built it into a palace. Uh, theoretically, when you uh, realize what you've done, and you uh, wanted to want to uh, pay, uh, make reparations, you have to tear the building down, and pull the beam out, and give it to the guy. But she told it to Mav. There, the takana is that you pay the money, and then the guy has to accept the money. Because we want to make sure people are going to return items. Nobody's going to return such an item if he has to break all building apart. If a chatat was brought by somebody who had stolen it, and people did not know about this theft, that it should nonetheless be brought, and it is mechaper, and we'll have to see what the tikkun is and that'll be most of our attention in the rest of this year. Okay, Amarava. So we're going to first dispense, uh, dispense so with the minor concerns that we have about the first few statements. And it's also Yochum and Gudgoda from that testimony about the Chereshet. Amar This is halacha that the Rambam considers to be one of the ten stipulations they'll write about a get. When you give a get to the woman, it has to be clear that this is being given as a get, not as a, a pikodon, a shtarchov, mezuzah. The examples the Rambam gives in Parakalafech Gerushin. So he says, from this we learn, If you first said to the Adim privately, I'm giving her a get, and she wasn't around, and then when he's in front of her, he's embarrassed and might get in a fight with her, he knows it's going to be contentious. He says, here, hold on to this rolled up parchment, it's a Sharchov and a need. It works. How do we know that? After all, from his testimony, we see that we do not need her consent or her da'at, because a chereshit is not about da'at, can get a, can get a get. 
So same thing here, she does not need to be aware of what the contents are, as long as the Adim are aware. And then he goes away, and then the Adim say, by the way, uh, you better open it up, it's really a get. And she realizes it, and then he's out of the room, so he doesn't have to deal with that. Now, Pshita, that should be a no-brainer. The answer is, Perhaps when he said to her, take the Shtar Chov, he actually canceled his original intent, and really it wasn't a get. If he really intended to change his mind, say it's no longer a get, he would have told the Adim, I told you it was a get, forget about it. But the fact that he didn't say that, and that he only told her that, is because he was embarrassed, he doesn't, he was, didn't want to have to deal with the anger. Alright, about Yisrael, the second one was this girl who has Kiddush Amiyon, eats, uh, eats uh, Truma if she's married to a coin. But we didn't mention that a Chereshet eats, meaning if a Chereshet, who also has Kiddush and Rabbanon, marries a Kohen, that she can't eat Truma. Why? My time. Because we're concerned then that a Chereshet marrying a Chereshet that we uh, dealt with in Yifamot, and we're going to deal with a little bit later on in uh, in a few daf, um, that in that case, um, that in that case, um, he will be feeding her, a Cheresh, Omer Cheresheth, and the Cheresh happens to be a Kohen, and he'll feed her, and there the Kiddush should have certainly draw Baran. So, Valeichu, but who cares? Katan Ochel Nevelotu. After all, the halach is Katan Ochel Nevelotu, if a Katan or Cheresh is eating Macholot Asurot, Ein Beitin Mitzuvin Lafisho, Beitin does not have to interfere. And this uh, is even easier than a katan, because somebody who's never going to be a gadol. What's our concern with a katan? Three years from now, he's going to be a bar mitzvah. We have to train him properly. But here, the cheresh is going to be like that forever. So what do we care? If a cheresh kohen is feeding his wife the cheresh at uh, truma, uh, the answer is, If a cheresh marries a pikachat, and she is, meaning a, a competent woman, and she is of age. She is now eating truma that her husband's giving her, which he can't give her because the kiddushin adirabanan. Therefore, she really will be violating the law. So at least let her eat truma adirabanan. Uh, in that case, we're, we're not because we recognize it as kiddushin adirabanan. Let her eat kiddushin uh, truma adirabanan like truma bismanazeh or uh, trumat ilanot ratshiv shalaminim, depending on how we understand what truma doraita is. So we have like a three-tiered gzera here. Because we're concerned that the that the cheresh will feed the pikacha truma doraita, we don't even allow him to feed her truma dorabonon. And as a result of that, we don't even allow a cheresh to feed a chereshet, Truma even drabanan, and as a result of that, we don't even allow a pikeach to feed a chereshet, truma drabanan, even if he married her when she was young, and the condition were daraita. All right, valamish hagazul shabnao. Oh, about the uh, the uh, beam that was built into a building, tanarabanan gazel gazal mereshuv na obabira. So if you did that, bechamarim mekakeach kol abira kula. You have to bust the whole building apart and return the beam to its owner. The owner only has a claim on the value of the board. So we see that our Mishnah follows Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai did not accept that particular Takana. Alright, the last item was Chata Takzula. Amar Ula, Dvar Torah, and we have a machloket here, 
between Ula and Rav Yehuda about what the essential halacha is, because the Mishnah distinguished and said if every if people do not know that this korban was stolen, then it can be brought. Clearly, if people do know, it can't be brought. So, what's the starting point? He said, really, whether or not it was known or not known, it shouldn't be mechaper. Why? My The yeyush that the owner of the chatat had alone is not a kinyan for the gazlan, and therefore the gazlan who has this animal, it's not really his animal, and therefore the chatat cannot work because it has to be your animal that you're bringing. That's what it should really be. Why did they say that if it was not a known gzela, uh, and people did not know that this was a, a stolen animal, that it's machaper? Because the kohanim shouldn't be sad that they brought a korban and then find out afterwards that it was a wrong korban. So the student said to Ulah, The Mishnah doesn't say, so the, for the happiness of the kohanim, it says, so Marlahem came and the Kwanim Atsavin, and some Mizbeach Batel. If the Kwanim are sad, so then they can be less energetic, less Korbanot to be brought, and the Mizbeach is Batel, and that's the Tikkun Mizbeach. That's Ula's take. Raviyuda says, really, essentially, whether or not the theft was known or not, the, uh, the animal is Machaper. My time, my Yehush Kadikani, because Raviyuda holds that Yehush alone is enough for Kenyan, and therefore this thief owns the Korban. Whether or not it was publicly known. So why did the rabbis then say that if it is publicly known, it's not mechaper? Which, by the way, means that the tikkun takanatam is now is not on the case of of da that it is brought, but rather on the fact that when it is known that it is not brought, which is not mentioned in the mission explicitly, so people shouldn't be walking around saying, ah, the Mizbeach and the Beit HaMikdash, ah, they're serving up the stolen items on there. It's not nice. So, according to Ula, I understand that's why the Mishnah picked Chatat. Right? Why? What do you need a Chatat? Why do you have to mention a Chatat? After all, a Chatat, as opposed to an Ula, is eaten by the Kohanim. So I understand there, it's a concern, the Kohanim can't eat it, Mizbeach Patel. But according to Rav Yehuda, says, really, they should be brought. But the issue is that the people are going to say that Mizbeach is eating stuff that was stolen, so it's not nice, so if it's publicly known, we don't bring it, then the Chatat is not unique. The Mishnah should have mentioned any Korban. Afilu Ola Nami. So the answer is, Lomi Baya Kamar. The Mishnah is picking the less obvious one. Lomi Baya Ola De who Certainly an Ola, which is all going up on the Mizbeach. So certainly if it's publicly known, we don't want people to say, you see, the Mizbeach, it's got all this, uh, these fats and, and everything of a stolen animal. Ela Afilu Chatat Nami. Only the fats and the blood go on the Mizbeach. The rest is eaten by the Kohanim. So, nonetheless, they made the Gzera there. So, they shouldn't say the Mizbeach is eating stolen stuff. Now, let's test Rabbi Yehuda versus Zula. That's the wording of the Mishnah. So Ula fits perfectly, because according to Ula, the essential law was not to bring any of them, and the tikkun was to bring it if it's not well known, because of uh, Kohanim. And that's exactly what the Lush and the Mishnah is, that they should bring such a korbanet tikkun on Mizbeach. According to Yehuda, it should be the opposite, that they do not bring one that's publicly known, because of tikkun on Mizbeach. So Achinami Kamar, that's what Yehuda says, that's what it does say in the Mishnah. Lo no da mechaperet. 
So what's the implication? No da inamachaparat. If it is known, then you can't bring it. Uncle rather rather you would have a different girsa or suggested a different girsa in the Mishnah with those three words in, or whether he just meant that's the implication, we should understand it as such. But the tikunamizbeach is that the about the one that's not brought if it's publicly known. Okay, now Metiv Rava. Rava challenges this Remember, if you steal an animal and then you slaughter it or sell it, you have to pay four or five times the value of the animal. Ovine, bovine, ovine is four times, bovine, sorry, bovine, is, uh, bovine is four times, ovine is five times. Um, um, sorry, ovine, uh, the flock, is four times. Bovine, which is the cattle, the steer, is five times. So if you stole it and then were maktish and then did tvichel mechira, you have to pay the double, which is for what you stole. You don't have to pay four or five. And let's see. If you were to slaughter such an animal, you'd be chayav karet. Now, how could you be chayav karet if this is not your animal to slaughter? That's the issue. And here we're going to here we're going to see. If you want to tell me, Ula, that Yehush alone is not a Kenyan, which means not really your animal. Karet ma'avitayu. How can you get karet for slaughtering an animal that you, an animal that you are makdish, which you don't have the right to be makdish because it's not yours. So therefore, it's not really hektish, which means if you slaughter it outside of the mizbeach, you're not chayav karet for for shchutachutz because after all, it's not it's not really hektish. You took an animal that's not yours, you called it hektish, you slaughtered it, you chayav uh, to pay four or five, and that's it. Rav Shizvi caught me divrem. Rav Shizvi said karet mi so everybody laughed at him. Karmi Devremiko, what kind of karito rabbanon is there? So Amalu Rava, Rava turned to the students and said, Gavarabba Mamilta Lotachikwa So a big man said something, don't laugh so quickly. Karechal de Divrain Kiabatalo. It's what does it mean karito rabbanon? It's a real karate that happens because of the rabbis, meaning In other words, Rabbanan said, even though Yeush Kadilokani, he's defending Ula here. Even though the Rabbanon said that Yehosh alone is not enough and it's really not yours, the Rabbanon put it in your possession in order to be mechayev you here for shchutechutz. So in other words, it's a karate that was generated by a rabbinic manipulation. Amarava, havadai kamibayali. I asked the question, after all of this, ki ukmur Rabbanon bishutei mishat gneva mishat ekdesha. Since this is all a rabbinic move to put it into his possession in order to mechayev him, is that go retroactive back to the moment of Geneva? Or is does it only go from the point of Hektesh? Right? Now, who cares? The answer is Ligizoteha Uvladoteha. If if it was a let's say a sheep that was shorn or had was pregnant and gave birth, everything else, so that's Shevach. My question is who owns that? If you say it was put into his possession back from the Shatak Zela, Shatak Geneva, then anything that it produced after that is his. My Hadamarava Mistabra Mishatak Desha It's quite clear to me that it should only go back to the point of Hektesh. We don't want this guy to gain from the fact that he stole, so that anything from the and now he added to his uh, to his sin by being Makdish, this animal that he stole, that now suddenly everything that goes back to the moment of theft uh, that it produced is suddenly his. It's not not right. So therefore it makes sense that the rabbinic manipulation of putting it into his possession only goes back to the moment of the hectish. Okay, we'll pause at this point.
and we have the famous Mishnah about the Sikrikon, uh, which will then be followed by the uh, ever much more famous uh, passages that begin with the story of Kamsa Bar Kamsa in the next podcast.